Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hello, hello. I am so excited for this interview that you are going to tune into. I just love Megan Clinton. So she is um, a beautiful relational gestalt psychotherapist an aware parenting instructor, and an energy psychologist. And um, I've known Megan for a little over a year now, um, almost a year and a half through the online world, and we've been in each other's world. And um, you'll love this conversation. Her and I talk about trauma and how it affects being in the present moment, relating to each other, as well as childhood trauma and what trauma actually means. So this is a really great uh, conversation and I'm excited for you to tune in. And um, at the end, if this has resonated with you, please share this episode and uh, tag us. And um, I think this work, the work that Megan does needs to be known and spread around the globe. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Sacred Emergence. I'm so excited for our guest today, like super, super excited. We have with us Megan Clinton, who is joining us by way of South Africa, and we have such a juicy conversation for you today. We're going to be talking about how trauma affects being in the present. And, uh, and before we do so, Megan and I are going to chat a little bit and, um, and just just go with the flow. So welcome, Megan. I am so excited you're here. Oh, what a lovely introduction. And yes, it's such a delight to be here. It really is. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, you and I have had like, we've, we've known each other online for like a year and a half, I would say. And mm. we've been um, connected in programs that we've been part of together. And we have been in each other's programs. And I just love your presence and how people who work with you or in your space, I just personally have witnessed how you hold them. Mm. Um, and then just my interaction with you, I could be my complete self with you, even when it's like, ugh, like, you know, I'm like kind of like <laughs> in a, a brat mood in a way. And like, you're able to just like, like not even judge. And so there's just something so powerful about your work, especially around the the conversation of trauma um mm. and right now where we are in the world with the pandemic even though we're two years in with the pandemic um there's personally i feel like for me it's finally starting to catch up <laughs> mm. like just like a little bit of anxiety and just with what's happening in the world and how people are there's a lot of division and anger um mm. that it's i feel like mental health trauma anxiety is they're going to be huge topics if not already yeah hmm. yes yeah, so, I so resonate with you it's just um there were two places I wanted to go I'm just going to go to the other one first um just to conscious of an order 
Um, yeah, it was, I was absolutely drawn to you from the moment I met you. I can just, yes, remember being in the first group and just going, this woman has something really gorgeous about her. Um, and, you know, of all the people that were in the group, I just absolutely, yes, there was something about you that kind of drew me towards you instantly. And I have just loved being in your world, loved being in your programs and your membership and everything. So. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share a bit of my side of, yes, that kind of friendship growing online over time and and, oh. and deepening as friendships do. And it's, yeah, it's Thank been such you. a great. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's true what you shared about, like, even though we've never met in real life, like, there's just, like, it can happen, like, the bonds that get created um, when there's that intention. So, yeah. Mm. And I think we just know there's something intuitively in our system that knows when, you know, when you can trust your system in its knowing of when you move forward or away or towards or um, there's something so beautiful about that. And I, I really that trusting brings such incredible connections, you know, even when it's online and we might say we've got sort of a limited knowing of a person in some way, in other ways, there's potential for, you know, deepening in other areas as well. Mm, I love that. And I actually like, I want to put a, like a little thumbtack on what you're saying around the deeper knowing, like the inner knowing that comes through. Cause I feel like I've heard you say that a lot, like just like in our interactions together. And I feel like it actually, um, like, like that inner trust. So I do want to come back to that. Mm, yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I'm happy to Happy to go a little bit there now, if you would like. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. I love that, that, that our sort of that, our, that full bodied knowing is kind of, in my experience, comes from when we heal trauma. So our intuition deepens and grows as we heal our trauma. Because, you know, often people will think our oh, trauma is just something that happens to some people and it's something horrible or horrific or that's happened once off or, you know, a child's been kind of with parents that are kind of brutal and abuse the child or something. That, that's sort of often what we hold in society as trauma. And mostly it's not something that big. What it is is just being repeatedly responded to in a certain way as a child and then we develop a core theme that we then take with us from childhood into adulthood and that could be a parent constantly going why do you keep doing it like that it's wrong that way just do it this way and they can even say it gently but what we internalize then as an adult is you know we're not enough we make mistakes we're always wrong and that core theme can have a massive impact in our lives so trauma is often the most trauma that most people carry is actually developmental. It's around how we were responded to by parents. And, you know, when we heal trauma that's happened as a result of how our parents responded to us, it's not about making them wrong. It's never about making anyone wrong when we heal. It is, however, acknowledging the impact that that trauma has. So when we get to then as adults to heal some of the things that happened to us when we were younger, we kind of deepen our own intuition because what's happening is 
those younger parts, when we got hurt, when there wasn't enough support or connection to process an emotion that comes up, it gets frozen and it remains that young part. And, you know, sometimes uh, some of you might know this in yourselves and I know it in myself, I will respond and I was like, oh, that sounds like it's coming from a very angry five-year-old. And that's the five-year-old part of me that's frozen and developmentally doesn't grow up and integrate into my system until we heal it. And then that part then kind of responds um, in the moment. Um, what is it? It's Bessel van der Skulk says, trauma isn't a memory, it's a reaction. So when something happens in the present moment, we kind of respond to it. And that's our trauma. That's the five-year-old reacting that hasn't healed. And when that five-year-old gets to process what needs to be healed, she opens up more capacity in a part of us that was locked up. And then as a result, that intuition flows into that space because that part is more integrated and we have more capacity in our actual being. And so we can respond in the present moment to people in a different way because each time those younger parts heal, that capacity grows and grows. Mm, I love that. And like what you were saying around, like, especially with like children and development, I mean, as you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh. And like, like children are being developed, right? Like as they're learning and growing and their parents are parenting them. And then like the parents are holding trauma. So a lot of times how parents or adults, teachers uh, react to the children, it's like, there's a projection and then it, and then it just creates this ripple effect, right? Cause then the child will grow up and they don't do their work, then it's going to affect their children. And oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. I, I love how you pick that piece up because it, it is, it's like parenting's been one of the most challenging things I've ever done because your children will repeatedly and agonizingly touch every part of you that's unhealed on a regular basis. And if we, if we find it hard to hold what's actually happening for us and take responsibility for what comes up when our children touch those parts, then we do, we just project it back onto our children. And then as you say, that, that generational trauma just gets carried on and on. Mm. Um, there's another um, quote that I really love. It's by Terry Real. And he said, you know, trauma is like, or generational trauma is like a wildfire moving through the forest. And when one person has the courage to turn around and face the flames, they send ripples of healing back and they spare those who are to come. And it's just like, it's such a powerful image of what it is like in a way to, to face those hurts because, you know, not only are they not they're ours, but they also are generations. It can be, you know, you can feel something and you can feel it's more than just yours. And the courage to hold all of that and to be able to process that is extraordinary. Mm, when you shared that quote, I felt like this chill just go up my leg. <laughs> That's so like that visual of the fire is really powerful. Mm. Yeah. It, sorry, carry no, on. Yeah, I was just thinking, I've actually just, before this call, I was processing um, something. I actually contacted Michelle and went, I don't know how I'm going to be on the call. I'm just kind of processed a lot. 
And what I was thinking, you know, often we talk about, you know, emotions and healing and what it looks like. And even though I have had nearly two decades of therapy at different times, um, there was something that came up today that I realized still hadn't been um, integrated completely. And one of the things that can happen often is that when we're healing, we talk about a lot of things that happen to us. And when we don't actually feel what we're talking about, it doesn't integrate. So although I have talked about this trauma a lot of the time, it was only when today that I actually felt it. And it's one of the things I do when I'm working with clients. So somebody will come to me and go, I'm just going to tell you everything that's happened um, so that you know. And what I will mostly say to somebody is, let's go slowly. Let's go slowly because there will be a lot that you've experienced and there will be a significant amount of emotion attached to everything. And when we go slowly, then you can feel and integrate. And when we go fast, what happens is we kind of desensitize. And I realized that although I had told the story a lot, because I'd gone fast, I hadn't really processed this part. And it was only today when I actually slowed my system down that I was like, actually, there's still quite a lot here. And interestingly enough, we weren't talking about, I wasn't going to a therapist. I was actually talking about business development and, you know, my business and how it looks. And this part came in as something important in terms of me going forward, in terms of that kind of expanding my capacity even further. Wow. I love that. Like just talking about like, even because it's true, like, you know, when I, when I talk to people, when like, even if, you know, friends chatting and like something happened, I mean, there usually tends to be like a faster pace. Mm. Um, And I think because it can be painful to feel something that was painful in that moment so like our system just kind of wants to like (laughs) let's speed through that and uh and then yeah it's not comfortable but I love how you said like but it's when we slow down we can feel it so we can integrate it and how Mm. often do we not right it's just it's we don't we just want to like get distracted Mm. Uh, absolutely and that's why I love that image of you know facing the flames because it it can be excruciatingly painful you know when we're little and trauma happens and we, so trauma happens when there's not enough safety and connection and our system becomes overwhelmed and then it just locks it away. And, and then we do different things, you know, the beautiful things you're talking about that we do to keep ourselves kind of safe. It stops us from kind of healing, but those beautiful things that we kind of distract ourselves with, were critical when we were little. So we Mm -hmm. learned then ways to actually stop ourselves from just going into complete overwhelm and not coping. Because what happens is a child needs somebody there. They can't process an emotion by themselves. They need connection with another human being that's able to hold them. And when that's not present, they lock it away and then they will distract themselves. So they might start to tense their body up. And, you know, many people as adults will say, I've got such tight shoulders. It's because that's been a repeated process, a protection process that we've learned from when we were little is to tighten and hold something in. And some people might suck a dummy or their thumb or something and then land up as an adult smoking cigarettes or wanting to eat food 
when they've been so some parents might say you know when their child cries about something they'll go are you hungry and feed them and then actually they needed to process an emotion and then what happens is they as they get older and older that signal between i need to process an emotion and i'm hungry kind of get confused a little bit so someone will actually say i'm hungry when they have an emotion because their body has kind of mixed those two up in a way from when they were younger mm, that's so interesting and then you can see like when people eat their emotions yeah like yeah. well that's absolutely. an example <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll always put a caveat on anything I say around this is that if you're a parent and you have done something like this, I'm sending so, so much love because we all do the best we can do with the information we have. And I've done many things as a parent that I would, if I knew what I know now, I would have done differently. And yes, it's, a, yes, it's growth and learning and there, yes, never any judgments. Yeah, I mean, I remember like when I was really young, I was in like school and this kid came in and he was crying like he was, you know, bawling. And so the teacher, like, I think she just wanted to comfort him and just like, so she gave him some candy, you know mm. what I mean? And I, I don't remember, I think it might have like soothed the child or the kid. Um, mm. But yeah, I think most of the time adults are well-intentioned um, without, Absolutely. yeah. Um, there was something like when, when we were talking one time and you, you caught something that I said, and it was such a, like, just like, oh, like that is really interesting. And it was something, I forgot what it was, but it was something about, oh, like I was, I think I was complaining about something. And then I said, you know what? I just need to be more grateful. Like, I'm just not being grateful enough, you know? And, and, and then you caught that. And then you said something around like, hold on, like, there's something that wants to come through versus just kind of like switching and ignoring what's actually happening. And like, it validated how I was feeling about all well, my complaints. <laughs> so Absolutely. can you yeah. speak to that? Yes. And it's interesting. I, so as a Gestalt psychotherapist, when you're holding somebody else, I'm sort of holding the whole and sort of noticing patterns and what's happening. And, and that can be a pattern. It's just like, needing to talk about something, something's hurt. You know, when we come and we complain, we're not complaining for no reason. Something hurt when it happened. And so often we're told, you know, just be grateful. Um, you know, if you're grateful and what we are doing is we're disowning that part of us that needs to be heard. Yeah. And when we disown that part of us, you know, our body won't allow us to kill off a part of ourselves, any part. So what happens is that part actually kind of, digs in and becomes stronger. And it's what I refer to as the paradoxical theory of change. It's like, it's by loving that part that you like the complaining part, just for example, say by loving it, understanding it, being able to respond compassionately to it, to really let it, and also, you know, deepening when that complaining part, just seeing where it comes for what, what the connection is, what the memory is associated with, a whole lot of things there, and then being able to respond lovingly to those younger parts. Then, paradoxically, that part that we wish we didn't have softens as a result of the unconditional love, as opposed to 
wanting to feel gratitude when that's not what we feel, it kind of pushes it back in, if that makes sense. And that part just is there waiting until something else gets touched and we react to something else because our beautiful system is just waiting constantly going, okay, here, that's similar. That's mirroring that. Okay, I'm going to bring that to be healed again. I'm going to bring this. And when we really trust our system, because our system brings it up in the order that we need to heal, in the order we need to go deeper. And so there's no need to, you know, often I'll hear people say, you know, you're in lack. You know, if you weren't in lack, this wouldn't be happening. If your mindset was this, this wouldn't be happening. And not only is that shaming somebody and making them wrong, it is preventing whatever is coming up that feels like it's not good or whatever from being healed. And what happens is often that people, when they're told, you know, your mindset's wrong, you're in lack, or you should feel gratitude, or then when we feel wrong, that shame actually freezes us in that spot and we can't move forward. So what happens is people will often regress without recognizing that what they're feeling is shame for being made wrong for what they actually need to bring in their next step. Mm, that is so good. I love what you said, like the body, like, will know what, like, it will kind of bring it up in order. And it's so true, like with even with mindset stuff, because like, oh, like, don't think like that. Or like, like we got to change our mind. And I think there is truth to like, you know, like it could, we can, I guess, down spiral sometimes with negative thinking, but there's something deeper there. Um, mm. How, I guess, like, is there a way to tell <laughs> if there's something mm. that's like, oh, it's just mindset work versus, hey, there's something deeper. So when you talk about that spiraling, what can happen is that nothing's really shifting sometimes. And this is, can happen when we, trauma gets touched, we're not able to connect with ourselves because something young is happening and there's nobody else there to hold us. So what happens is it can just become like a, like being stuck in a whirlpool and you mm. can't get out. And I think that's when a lot of coaches then say you need mindset work to help get you out of that spiral. And the thing is that's when, a, when you come in and heal, someone can kind of take parts from where you're spiraling and go, I see that. And then you come out of that place and then you can heal. So it's kind of, I don't know if that makes sense, but there's a, there are different ways of kind of looking at it. So when you're held by somebody who's holding a sort of therapeutic perspective, that spiraling in itself is not useful because it can just be somewhere where we just get deeper and deeper because we're feeling alone and disconnected. Mm. And we really need that connection in order to find out the place that, or the part that's needing to be healed. Mm, this is interesting. And like, so I know that your part, like you work, like you help parents uh, learn how to parent their children. And then there's another part of your work, which I love. Like I just love all of your offerings. There's another part of your work where you help guide coaches become more attuned to holding trauma for their clients. Um, or just help them be more trauma informed. And like just what you're saying, I think a lot of coaches don't necessarily know that. Um, and you know, they want to do what like, they want to do, what feels right in terms of, Oh, like I want my client to get results. So stop that 
thinking <laughs> and like do this instead. Um, mm. And can you share more about your work with helping coaches and just navigating that? Mm. So it's funny, interesting. I was talking to someone and I was like, there's more of a connection between parenting and hold supporting coaches to support their clients than one might think. I'm just going to have a sip of water. It's so funny. I took a sip of water too. <laughs> I do buteco breathing and sometimes I forget to breathe through my nose and then, yeah, I get a bit of a frog in my throat. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I was talking to someone and it's like, I was talking about sort of boundaries with children and how I explain that. And then I was going, actually, that's how I um, would hold coaches around supporting their clients to hold boundaries as well. So it's interesting, the crossover. It's like the what happens in the kind of trauma as in childhood then makes its way into how we hold our clients and business and all those structures as well. So there's sort of... The, it seems like an unlikely connection, but there's often more than you know, one might imagine. So um, in terms of you know, holding, holding coaches to, to support them and holding their clients with greater depth, what, it's sort of adding that extra piece. So there's so many amazing coaches and mentors and healers out there. And what I am bringing is that peace supporting them and being able to stay with their client in the healing before and then they get to bring their amazing piece afterwards so it's like the healing and then what I often refer to as like the antidote so we give to the client what was never given when they were younger and that's sort of learning that process and then once that gets integrated then the capacity to then whatever the solution is that the coach or mentor is offering, the person can then just like, yes, run with it. So it's kind of like adding this kind of exponential process because every time they sort of expand a bit another part, the body will bring another part. And then what I'm sort of bringing is enabling that coach to just be with that part, to learn tools to actually stay with it so that the client can heal that part and integrate it and then the solution gets offered and then you know that next bit and the thing is what happens it's like as you say when we were talking about with children and teachers is children respond and it activates something in us and then we respond back and exactly the same thing will happen between a coach and a client and when we are aware of what is happening there we can hold the relationship differently and then often what happens is in that activation between the two a solution can be offered in order to get away from that uncomfortable feeling whereas when we understand how transference and counter-transference works then that ability to stay with changes as well so there's there's quite a complexity of what it means to be able to sit across from somebody else and stay with them, holding complete unconditional love so that they can process what they are bringing and then to offer whatever that coach or mentor brings as the mm. solution. That is really powerful. I, I feel like a lot of times 
Um, maybe the coach is in discomfort when the client, I don't know, says something. And so it's almost like, let's, let's kind of push past that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like, like we'll do it anyway, like do the uncomfortable thing anyway. Um, and I just know that just from my own experience and observations, like, like for myself, like I have a 30 day courage quest. Um, Mm -hmm. and it is, I mean, it is adrenaline it boosts the adrenaline. It's incredibly uncomfortable. And it's important that the nervous system is held that Mm. it's like, it's like, yeah, I could do it, but how do I feel afterwards? You know what I mean? Um, Mm. Which is why, um, you know, in my 30 day courage quest, I, it's not all 30 days of like, go, go, go. There's a lot of other uh, activities and challenges so to speak that allow for the person to anchor in to come back to themselves um, because it is so important to nourish the nervous system so i feel like there needs to be what you were saying like having it be like having a person be held and witness and processing whatever pain point is coming up so that that next step that is going to move someone forward in their business can be done with like joy so Mm. to speak yeah, absolutely. And that's so powerful, that point that you, it's like, how do I feel afterwards? So if I do it and I'm like, okay, I feel pretty awful having done that, then it's like a clear indicator that either you need to titrate what happened, so kind of bring it back a few steps so it's then manageable, or there was something very important that needed to be heard first um, before that took place. Yeah, like it's it's just really interesting because I don't know, I feel like like just for my own journey, just for my own experience, like it's it's exciting to go outside our comfort zone. And mm. like, you know, that's where our growth is. Um, and then I also witness people who they do that and then they step back, you mm. know, and it's like, ooh, something has not been healed. Um, and it's like, I think the more I'm aware of trauma and like I've been reading more around like racism and just like, you know, colonialism and all of that. I'm like, wow, like ancestral trauma runs pretty deep in all of us. So it really requires like healing. Mm. And I think that's a beautiful point as well that you talk about, because often when people say do the mindset work, it is the it's only you or I in the room when they're talking to it, whereas actually they're generations and generations of people that are holding different aspects of that. And when we can understand that when something's difficult for somebody, it's not just the person in the room. It's like a whole lineage that stands behind them. And sometimes, so that person can do a whole lot of stuff that can that is aimed at kind of changing their state of being in that moment. And the people that are holding it in place, nothing shifted for them. So there's so many different beautiful ways of working to actually recognize that actually it goes further and further back. Mm, I love that. Um, I wanted to actually, um, if it's okay that I share or bring this up, I remember that we were, we were in a conversation and uh, you were talking about how your daughter and, um, and I just loved how you held space for your daughter and you didn't make her wrong. It was around like, cause my work is a lot around talking about selfishness and embracing our divine selfishness. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 
like there was something that happened and I think your, your, your daughter didn't say thank you, or she just didn't feel like it. She was just like, she was being her complete self and Mm -hmm. you didn't correct your daughter. Like you did, you just let her be. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that is powerful. That is really powerful. And can you speak to that? Mm, Yes. Yes. I love that divine selfishness. They, they, so I don't ever get her to say please and thank you because for me, um, I want her to feel completely connected with how she responds in the world. So if she chooses to say please or thank you, that comes from a place of this is how I want to respond. And, you know, I might give her a gift. She doesn't say thank you for it. But watching the utter and complete delight on her face as she opens it and then the hug afterwards for me is so much more powerful because she is absolutely present with what's happening for her. And the other piece that's so important is she is responding from herself rather than from the other's need. So what happens is that, you know, when we're responding to the other's need, we leave our own system, our own knowing, because we're more concerned about the other person than we are about ourselves. So when she doesn't say thank you, I can see adults like mm. <laughs> kind of, you know, uncomfortable kind of thing. And they're like, she's being rude. And I was like, that's something that's being activated inside themselves, possibly for how they were treated when they didn't say please or thank you from when they were younger. And it has nothing to do with my daughter. So yes, I absolutely trust. And she's like, she's very forthright about you know, what's happening, what she's feeling, what's going on. And I love that, that she knows in her system. She knows what she's feeling. She absolutely knows what's going on. And that's not to say she's highly sensitive as well. She can feel the other person. And what I, what just lights me up even more is she can feel the other person and she's still able to stay with herself. Oh my God. I'm getting teary-eyed as you're sharing all of that, because that is, that's, very very powerful parenting (laughs) and like to to honor your daughter in that way this is like like we need more parents like this because your daughter like I can see it like when she grows up she's going to be so in her power and what you said about like she can sense what the other person probably is expecting and she's still able to hold her own because like you know I talk about human design and conditioning like mm. your daughter is not getting conditioned there. Like she is in her power. And yeah, I've, you know, like I've looked at your daughter's chart, like, you know, and I, it's just so powerful because mm. like I can see the parts of myself that, um, that was in, uh, that is in her and got stifled mm. because of the conditioning of say please and thank you and respect your elders it's not like there's not respect but it's like i'm respecting myself first mm-hmm. and that is truly like as adults like if i mean if someone calls me selfish there's a little bit of um it activates me mm-hmm. right when it's like i'm not i'm really putting my priorities first i'm honoring myself and it's just like by calling someone selfish it's like actually you're being selfish because you have an expectation of me to sacrifice myself in some way, you know? And so I'm kind of went off tangent, but it's like that, this is where it starts. And I just, 
I just love, I'm just so grateful <laughs> for how you um, show your daughter, like how to, you know, like be your true self. It is, it's so powerful. And you know, the word selfish has just developed these connotations that because you think of yourself, you don't have the capacity to think of somebody else. And it's absolutely not like that. You know, we are pure love. That's who we are. And when we, you know, we, we are free of unprocessed emotions. We are creative, connected, you know, I don't like the word cooperative, but, you know, children want to be with their parents. They want to do what they want. They want to, they want their parents to be happy kind of thing. And when they are free of emotions, we are just these beautiful connected human beings that just respond to each other in the moment in connection. And it's only sort of as emotions kind of get, you know, it silts up our system as they, and we push different parts in that suddenly we start to become reactive. And, you know, I can tell if I haven't listened to my daughter's emotions for some time, she'll suddenly shout at me about something. And, you know, I've got my own trauma and being shouted at is not the most enjoyable thing on the planet. And I just breathe and just go, it's not about me. It's absolutely not about me. She is just, she's got a build up for a whole lot of different things. Some might be from me, some might be from her friends, some might be from other places. And I can see the look in her eyes once I've listened to that tantrum or the rage, that clarity in her eyes is just so beautiful to witness. And then she's a delight to be with. She'll just, it's just this, you're with this pure human being again, almost mm. when um, they're able to, yes. And I can see, you know, when she's shouting at me in the shopping center, sometimes some people come up and they try and buy her whatever I've said no to. And other people will say she needs a smack. And I'm like, I'm not willing for you to talk like that around my daughter. So, you know, there's a bit of this um, holding at bay some other people's, but there's really just, yeah, she's just got emotion and she's not doing anything to hurt me. Mm, I'm like crying as you're talking because <laughs> I just feel like even in this process like it's just healing to hear how you hold your daughter and give her space to just process her own emotions that I think like growing up I wasn't well I mean I yeah I was spanked and like but yeah it's it's just wow like that's just I think it's um like the parenting, like we model how we were parented, right? And so just to hear a different way of doing it, and then you can see the before and after. And it's like, it's almost instant. Like then there's clarity in her eyes when she's able to, you know, be in her tantrum and then afterwards and share what's happening. Like that's just really, um, I want to say powerful, but I've said that so many times. <laughs> <laughs> said as many times as you like that's a beautiful word it just yes it is there's so much in it that is powerful and you know just the other day and there's um I was playing with her and you know when you use specific types of play to help children sort of release laughter is also you know raging tears tantrums are all beautiful ways for children to release emotions and I was playing with her and we were doing a whole lot of things with a pillow and yeah 
was being she was the pillow and she was yeah scratching my head when I thought I was lying on a, a pillow to go to sleep on and we were both laughing but the thing is she had been struggling to go to sleep as you know as we all know as adults as well when things have happened in our lives and we've maybe had a fight or something's happened at work or we're processing something it's hard to sleep and it's the same for children so when I played with her um, after three nights of not really sleeping that well I was like no we're going to schedule in some play and we played and laughed and she was like asleep within minutes after the play it's like it's magical when you can kind of be with a child's emotions how quickly something can shift mm. I feel like I can talk to you forever like I would love to talk to you forever <laughs> this is so <laughs> juicy um and like you have so many amazing offerings so I just felt like especially when you're talking about being with your child and play because I know you have like some amazing things coming up can you share like all the ways that people can work with you and how they can learn more about you and follow you and just be in your world <laughs> oh lovely <laughs> gorgeous um so yes um I've got two parenting things coming up one's the play experiment and that's for a year and we will do a live every month and cover different types of play so it's you know we think of play as just kind of rolling around and that is one beautiful type of play but there are specific ones so if your child's had something that that's happened that they haven't been able to heal from, we can use a particular type of play that enables them to laugh around that and to release. So I'm doing that for a year. And then there's also the Parenting Pathway 21, which is 21 days of really looking at all the different aspects of parenting so that by the end of the 21 days, you have all the information you need to absolutely hold your child with unconditional love and connection and enable them to process what they need to process and you know there in my world there's no shaming parents for doing something you know we're all doing the best we can and also absolutely trusting what works for you as a parent I have and, a question. oh sorry yes. okay. um so in terms of like, I guess, uh, for people who might want to sign up, what's the, is there like a certain age? Like, oh, my, my, you know, my child's like 13 or 14. Is that still relevant? So the play, um, you know, you can play with, you know, even when parents are playing sort of peekaboo with babies, that's a form of separation play. So, you know, you can play with babies when they're younger but when I'm running this program I normally say sort of two and a half three to 11 because although you can play with older children it's a lot more subtle so for the play one I would say that between three and 11 and then for the other program you know it'll even change how you are with adults and with your partner and so it's definitely for children you know parents of ch children with any age Oh, so this, like the parenting pathway, even like, what if people don't have kids? Can they benefit? <laughs> so I was, I have been talking to somebody who works with children and they were wondering whether they should join. And also, you know, grandparents and parents, if you're with children kind of thing, but it is a way of kind of, you know, processing and being with another human being. And it really, yes, it 
the age then doesn't really matter. It's aimed for children. But yes, if you didn't have children, there would still be amazing, beautiful things in there. The one aspect that obviously is different is that children are touching us as parents constantly. So there's that element of holding that as well. Mm, so good. And then you have uh, your membership. Yes. <laughs> which is for adults. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So my membership, I love and I love at the moment because we do. So it's like it might be different from some people's memberships. What it is, is like we do a theme and it's not a huge theme. I don't cover a lot of theory, but each month, if we kind of just hold that and you integrate that over a year, there will be incredible transformation. So I do like a one little piece of theory and then we do um, a Zoom. So I get to work with everybody for like sort of 15 to 20 minutes. So you get one-on-one -on -one time with me and it is once a month, but it's, it's enough to really kind of change slowly and, you know, at your own speed over a period of time. So I love, I love the membership. And, um, and I think as it grows more and more, there'll come a time where, you know, I'll only be able to work with one or two people in the group in each zoom as opposed to at the moment you can each <laughs> each work with me so it's a good opportunity now i also find like sometimes even watching somebody being held and mm. whatever issue that they have like even as a an observer i get plenty of insights and like i can get healed in the process um so yeah yeah i love that there's something very powerful that happens in groups when they heal and it's it's not you know, often themes come up that are held within a group and healing happens in the group. And it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't need to be the one person working with you. It can be um, as a result of watching. And it's interesting also to watch different people process differently and to go, oh, I realize I hold that more in and that person's can be more vulnerable there or oh, I'm quite vulnerable there and I can see that other so you learn from the other people how they're healing and how they're processing because I'll hold each person differently because I'm meeting them in the present moment mm, so good so good mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'll include in the show notes um, all the additional ways because you have amazing programs and people can work with you one-on-one -on -one, um, and you also offer like like, like an opportunity to be in a container with you for like a month. And so there's lots of ways for those listening and you don't have to have kids, you know? And um, so your work is just so amazing. And I'm so glad that you were able to come on and have me interview you. It's been so fun. Oh, it's been divine. It's such an enjoyable conversation. Thank you so much, beautiful. Mm, my my pleasure. getting a bit croaky <laughs> um, so those listening please check out Megan's work you will just love 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 uh, Megan's energy it is just you have such a grounded presence about you so all right everybody thank you for tuning in and we will see you later take care thank you for listening to the sacred emergence podcast Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.